Music Business Heroes podcast is where regular people share stories of how they achieve success in the music industry. You're listening to the Music Business Heroes podcast. We have two hosts on this show. My name is Steve. My, my name is Mitch. Hey, Mitch, uh, what episode is this? Uh, 16, also known as the season wrap. Oh, snap! Snap season wrap! Hey, that's really cool, man. Uh, we did it. We we made it to 16 whole episodes from, uh, just an idea that you had to having crafted, well, 15 full episodes, and and then this one is gonna be mostly ridiculous. Mitch, the Music Business Heroes podcast is uh, focuses on stories of success and failures in the music business. So let me ask you a question. Do you make a living in the music business? I don't. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> We've been found out we're frauds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I'm totally fine with that. And it's a it was, it was a conscious decision that took me many years to make. I don't make a living in the music industry, but it's not for lack of trying, right? Okay, so can we can we dissect that a little bit? Because I think that was a very uh, loaded response, and and I, I I'd like to learn more personally. Yeah, uh, Mitch, why don't we start with just a little bit of your background? First of all, are are you a musician? Do you play music? I play music, primarily bass, and uh, that's like what I learned on, and from there branched out into. Um, all the instruments. I, I can play just about any instrument poorly. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> very impressive. Uh, so yeah. when did you first get into making music or when was like this moment for you where you're like, oh, shoot, I, this is the thing I really enjoy doing? My introduction to music was through my uncle, right, who played in a cover band during like cover band heyday. He was a bass player. I don't know how much influence that had over me choosing bass. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, that's why I chose bass. I started playing bass around 12 years old. I had this friend, uh, he was my brother's friend. So he's a little bit older than me and, uh, he rode a moped and he just always had all kinds of weird shit. One of the weird things he had was a bass guitar. So one morning he shows up at our house on his moped, like he would do. <laughs> Sure, like one does. Yep, just fly up our driveway at like eight in the morning. Wah, right, <laughs> moped. Except this morning, on the the floor of the moped, like sticking out like airplane wings, <laughs> <laughs> was a was a base case. Uh, you know, so a big, long, hard uh, base case. And uh, he's like, yeah, I. I I got this bass, and so he whips it out, and we just start messing around with it. He left it at the house. I never put it down, and uh, the rest is history. So you picked up your bass. What, how old were you when you first picked up your weird older brother's friend's bass? I, I must have been around like 12. Oh, okay, really, really young. So Okay, so you go from yeah. 12. How do you go from 12, never putting a bass down, to starting to play bass in bands? When When was that moment? So I guess it's worth mentioning that... Before I played in bands, I really liked the idea of making songs. So here I am with a bass, but I'm like, I want to make a song, right? Um, So I figured out how to record myself with two handheld tape recorders. 
So I would uh, record a part on one tape recorder and then play that tape recorder and then hit record on the other one and yeah. play along with the tape recorder, recording that on a second tape recorder. And I would multi-track in that way. <laughs> they had a real vibe to them. <laughs> uh, so, so I did that for a while. And then I guess, I don't know, like high school, um, other people start playing instruments. And then it's like, hey, guys, why don't we start a band? And so I must have been like 15 or 16. I was 15 because I remember my mom taking me to band practice, right? Mm. <laughs> At uh, my friend's house. So that's when the first band started was when I was uh, 15, just because it seemed like a good idea to play music with other people. I'm pretty sure we thought we were going to be rock stars. Like, sure. So that leads to my next question. Yeah. How do you go from playing in your first band at 15 to I can definitely make a, a living as a musician? Well, I think that's where things fell apart for me was I never thought that I could definitely make it as a musician. And I think that came from a lack of guidance for better or worse. Um, I think the people in my life who wanted to see me succeed didn't advise music because they also thought that, you know, that you can't make a living doing that. Like, hey, why don't you go to school to be an engineer, which is safe? I was like, yeah, you're right. I should go to school to be an engineer. I think also uh, debt was a real issue. Mm, yeah. I had uh, really considered going to Full Sail uh, for recording to be a recording engineer. And at the time the program was like $50,000 and you know, I'm like 18 years old and I'm like, okay, can I even get a loan for that? Because you know, it's not like it's, it's not a university. Right. You know? uh, so I, I like, wasn't sure how the finance side of it worked. And then I was like, am I really going to get a job after I do this? Am I going to be able to pay this money back? So I just had a lot of doubts and very little guidance. And um, I ended up going to community college for nothing. Sure. And then from there, um, got into uh, computer science and the rest is history. That's how I make my living now. That career supports my music career, essentially. Mm, yeah, for sure. So you continue to make music through your computer science career. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I've never stopped. I've never stopped playing music. I've never stopped playing instruments. I've never stopped recording. That's just what I do. I've tried. I've tried to stop recording because I thought, oh, this thing is taking up too much time and effort in my life. And shouldn't I be focused on, on something else that is, you know, uh, has some financial gain or something like that. And so I tried to pack up all my instruments and all my recording equipment and, and not do it. And that lasted like a month. Then I was back to it. Yeah, so you've hinted at this a couple of times in a few episodes where it seemed like you had a moment of clarity where you looked at the amount of time that you were devoting to music and the amount of time that you were devoting to making money and you saw that there was an imbalance there and you needed to adjust your expectations and your priorities. What was that moment for you? Yeah, so it was two moments. And I think they hinge on each other. And actually, they weren't moments at all. So one of them was going to career counseling. I needed some guidance at a point in my life where I was like, what am I going to focus on uh, for my career? And I had already had a job 
doing computery kind of stuff. But I was like, is this what I want to do? And how does music play into this? That helped me realize it would be way easier for me to continue down the career path I was already on. So in technology and, and make a comfortable living that way. And maybe even scale back the work that I do in order to pursue music with more of my free time because arguably I'm going to be able to make more money working at this career that I'm already established in. Um, So career counseling helped me get that kind of clarity. The other Mm -hmm. piece of that was uh, playing in a band with a guy who also was very career oriented and his outlook on the, the role of the band and the role of music in his life was Uh, very eye-opening to me. He said he had no pretense of being a rock star, right? It was just, he loved songwriting. It was something he loved to do. Uh, He never wanted to make a living at it. It was just totally content to write and record songs all day and, and play in this band. And that really helped me shift my expectation as to why I was going to a band practice every week. Yeah. Before that, it was, well, so we can rehearse and get really great and go on the road and really impress people. And it shifted it to, I'm going to band practice every week so I can have this creative outlet, hang out with people that I really like, write songs, record songs, just because I like setting up the microphones and hitting the record button. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. There is no expectation beyond just going to do the creative thing and that's that's what I like to do now. And so my career in technology allows me to do that. That reminds me of something that you said in a previous episode. And it's a quote that you attributed to someone, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell me who it who it's from. But but we're, you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor. You're only entitled to your labor. Yeah, so I think that was Buddha. Oh, <laughs> that's a guy. <laughs> from the perspective that we have been tackling this whole project from, you know, we've been talking to people who this is, you know, this is their livelihood is to is to make music. It's their passion, but it's also their livelihood. And when we ask them about moments of failure, it's pretty mild. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, so I had this one gig and it didn't go as well as I wanted it to go. After setting up and tearing down twice, the promoter told us that they just wanted a DJ instead. And now it's two o'clock in the morning and it's raining and I have to drive back home and they suck. And in those moments, they really suck. And, you know, they're pretty monumental moments for those individual people. But in the grand scheme of things, they feel pretty mild in comparison to the amount of diligence, the amount of discipline. Do you feel that your re-examining of your expectations and the way that you changed your approach to making music, do you see that as a failure? Because you've stopped the drive or or do you see that as something else yeah maybe it's um i'm trying to like console myself or whatever but i see it as a big win Hmm. um because it it allowed me two things it allowed me to focus on my technology career and i've been able to take that to a place that i'm really happy with which has given me some free time in order to do things like music and this podcast and things like that. It also just allowed me to um, kind of ditch the pretense with why I'm doing music Mm. and just allow me to do music 
like, mm. you know, mm. whenever I want and if I want and how I want, that's really freeing. It's trying to think of something to do with a failure, but. No, that's really succinct, I think. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good way to piece those two ideas together and reframe what a failure is. You just had a shift in your paradigm exactly of how you're approaching this thing that you like to do and even though you you didn't necessarily achieve this original goal that you had of like i'm you know i'm showing up at band practice every week so i can go on tour and like show people how awesome we are and get people them really stoked on my band you know you just shifted your expectations to something you felt much more comfortable with that's a huge win right there. That's a huge success. Yeah. So congratulations. Nice job. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm doing it. I'm successful yeah, in the music business. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm right. That's I, I think one of the most important takeaways from season one. So longevity, right? We've talked about longevity and it's it means really different things to everyone. Everyone we've talked to, they didn't always, even if, you know, music is the primary way that they make a living today, it wasn't always like that. A lot of them have even, they've continued to shift their focus from making music to something else entirely, right? GrahamCochran.com, like, even though he right. still makes uh, tutorials about recording and helping people make good music, he's shifted his goals to something else entirely. Now he runs this whole business about coaching others making businesses and, and helping them create an independent career for themselves it's not black or white and it doesn't happen immediately it takes a long time to get yourself to the space that you want to be and the space that you want to be doesn't necessarily have to be rock star yeah that's come up before like uh, you never really arrive no right that just never happens um you just keep going you just keep going it's like it's always a moving target and you just have to decide what that target is at any given point and uh yeah i guess for for me i decided that it was you know hanging out with friends once a week and making music that was my target and i hit it so that i think that should be a huge focus or at least a more specific focus for us in season two how do each of our guests what are their secrets to this idea of longevity what are their secrets to staying disciplined how do they maintain their resolve you know doing this what what systems do they use to keep the quality of their work consistent? Because that to me seems like a huge obstacle mm-hmm. in this path of to longevity is how do you keep the quality of your work consistent? Yeah. You, you have to create a system for yourself to do that. And, and what does that look like for you? And I think that that would be exceptionally helpful to people who are trying to or beginning their path down, down a music career, down an, an arts focused career. Yeah, I was going to say down any creative career path, I think that's a struggle is to stay inspired. And yeah. and in fact, if you are in a creative career, are you staying inspired? Or like you said, do you just have systems and things that you, you know, follow to um, keep you producing? Cool. Mitch, you want to wrap up your interview with some rapid fire questions that have nothing to do with anything? More than anything. Excellent. Awesome. What's something you shouldn't have bought that you realize you can't live without? Dyson Absolute V6. 
it's a vacuum cleaner and it's the reason that question exists <laughs> because I should not have bought that vacuum cleaner, but oh my, I cannot live without it. It's mm. incredible. Favorite guitar solo? Something by the Beatles. Current favorite band? I was on a huge Wolfpack kick. Yep. So probably Wolfpack, but I also have to mention Scary Pockets. Guilty pleasure band? My go-to for this one is Steely Dan. I was under the impression that a lot of musicians don't like Steely Dan, but I think it's just the musicians that I was hanging out with. (laughs) What's your favorite sandwich? Any variation on a bacon, egg, and cheese. This is probably the reason why this podcast, at least we did it in any earnestness, earnestness, uh, is we wanted to ask people who would win in a fight, Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber? T-Swift. Duh, duh, of course, duh. She's... Duh, duh, of course, duh. She's got the chops. You want to talk about longevity? Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I don't want to compare to like Madonna or anything like that, but I think, I don't know. I think 20 years from now. It's just a whole nother, it's a whole nother beast entirely. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the reasons why we framed the theme of this series as there's a huge difference between Weekend Warrior and Taylor Swift is because, you know, Taylor Swift is at the, penultimate end of the spectrum that everyone assumes that's where you need to head towards to feel like you've done a good job in the music industry and you know as Mm -hmm. we've just learned continuously that's just not true and that's not true for any art form period like you just do the work because you like to do the work Mm -hmm. and if you're feeling slogged down about going to band practice every week i think you need to adjust your expectations because it's not providing you with what you are looking for so what are you looking for and just do that uh, it was a story that i heard on like some podcast is about a famous painter so there's this famous painter and you know he shows up every day and he paints and he's creating all the time right and people are like how do you like why do you do it how do you stay motivated and uh, he says i like the smell of paint so that's it I think the point is uh, the thing you're looking for can never be too small it's just got to make sense to you thanks Mitch for uh, season one yeah yeah thanks thank you yeah thanks for being there yeah for sure Stupid. God, we're idiots. <laughs> I hate this podcast. Who listens to this? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well. Well, you keep going or you don't. All right, I'm ready when you are. You're listening to the Music Business Heroes podcast. Two hosts. I'm Mitch. And I'm Steve. Steve, what episode is this? Uh, this is uh, part B, part two of our season wrap. We didn't know, even know we were going to do two parts until we got into it, but yeah, two parts. So uh, this is this is episode 16B or uh, 17, um, depending on where you're from. Um, 
if you use the metric system or not. We're here with uh, Steve Stanley today, as we are every day on the Music Business Heroes podcast. Steve, we talk to people who have found success in the music industry. Yep. And uh, so I'm wondering... (laughs) Is it safe to say that you make your living in the music business? Uh, no. <laughs> no, What is this podcast all. even about? <laughs> 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 We're clearly not qualified. Frauds, total frauds. We've been found out. Everyone knows we are a sham. Uh, you don't make your living in the music business. I'm not disappointed, but I do want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So who the hell do you think you are <laughs> coming, on this, <laughs> coming on this podcast every week? Oh man, and, and grilling people about how they uh, are, you know, making a living and asking them to tell us about their failures and and all. Yeah, this. I mean, Where I would you... hope that like before they do that, they go to our website and read the about section because I mean, it clearly states in the about section that like. I am not a professional musician or an engineer or producer or, or anything music related, no. But my friend Mitch had a really good idea like a year and a half ago and uh, pitched it to me and I said, that's cool, man, let's do it. So here we are in the end of summer 2018, wrapping up our first iteration of that idea. I thought it was a good idea. So, you know, I wanted to be supportive and, and I was really curious to see what that looked like because I did give a shot i didn't think it was a very worthwhile shot but i did give a shot at making a living making music and and it was a spectacular failure (laughs) yeah so we don't we don't really hear that from the people we interview Uh right their their failures seem pretty minor in comparison to i don't know a whole failed music career so yeah so two things. Yeah. Is it really a failed music career? Um, I mean, no, no, but I kind of think mine was. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe we'll, we'll stay, we'll stick with maybe. Uh, and then the second thing, where, where are you coming from? How did it all start? And how did you know when it ended? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I started playing music when I was young. I had been in uh, band and, and chorus. I tried to play the violin for two years and did not ever practice, so that was the end of that. I was in chorus mostly because I didn't necessarily have to practice because I just have a mouth and I use it pretty loudly. And then when I was 13 years old, I think, uh, I got it in my butt that I wanted to play guitar because I thought it was really cool. And if you could play the guitar, you're really cool. And uh, That's a fact. Right, so I started playing guitar and... And then like two years later, a couple friends of mine in high school were like, hey, we want to start a band. Do you want to sing in our band? Even though I could kind of play guitar at this point, it was like the violin and I never practiced. But I sang all the time, mostly because I, ha- I just have a big mouth. So a couple friends of mine were like, look, we're going to start a band. You know, we're going to play like new metal covers like Deftones and System of a Down and, and, and Tool, which isn't really new metal. And they were like, we're going to play some covers for the battle, high school battle bands you want to sing. And I was like, heck yeah, man, that's being in a band is cool. So we did two years worth of battle of bands and we fired our first drummer without telling him that we fired him and reformed the band, which is a really jerk move. 
and uh, and then I kind of like put it away, like joining a band and playing guitar until my freshman year of college. My sweet mate, who lived in the room right across from me, had an acoustic guitar and like never played it. And I picked it up and never put it down again. Like I played his guitar way more than he played his guitar. And I learned a bunch of songs. Like I learned a bunch of really easy, uh, like Neutral Milk Hotel was one of the first bands that I really found I wanted to play their songs. I learned some like Radiohead songs on guitar, which were weird and difficult and then three or four months after that i was like i just need to get my own so i pulled basically all of my christmas money together one year in freshman year of college and i bought my own guitar wrote some tunes and then in my senior year of college i like still didn't really know how to play guitar very well but kind of could get away with it and another few friends of mine were like hey man we're gonna start a band we need someone to play the drums i'm like cool i'll pretend like i can play the drums and i like literally put i put paint buckets together and a pot and we played like shitty songs on a not real drum kit until I was like, okay, well, I'll just go buy a drum kit. So again, I pulled all my Christmas money together and I bought a drum kit and like tried to teach myself how to play drums over the course of like a year or so. And and when that happened in that band, that was the end of college, really. Suddenly I graduated. I was in the real world. I had no idea what to do with myself. I, I went to school for theater because I was going to be a movie star too, right? Like all these ridiculous ideas, right? And didn't do any of the work to do that after I graduated from school or like go be a theater technician because I also did a bunch of sound engineering work too. I designed a bunch of shows for the school I was in and I got paid to design a bunch of shows out of school too as like a freelance sound designer for a couple years. But I had this bug up my butt to be a rock star and play music in a band because I liked hanging out with these guys that we're playing music with. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I wasn't really doing it because I enjoyed playing music. I was doing it because... I needed to feel validated from other people. I needed to feel like other people thought I was good at something and that I was like capable of making them feel good. So like, obviously I need to just keep playing music and playing bands. I stopped playing drums for that band. I started playing guitar. There was some really strange band mechanics happening and a lot of really weird personal stuff happening. So I ended up quitting that band in a disastrously catastrophic way. Floated around from band to band until I like started making my own music again and writing my own tunes. And I started playing out at open mics and actually developing a sense of my individual reasons for playing. Like I like to do it and I like to write songs because I liked to do it and it made me feel good and it helped me like work through some personal stuff. But once that started to evolve again and it moved into weekly band practices and being a band leader in another project and helping people record other stuff, it started to develop again away from, this is something I like to do and I'm gonna try to be a professional musician, but because I didn't know what else to do and I didn't marry those two ideas together. I like to play music and I don't know what else to do. And after six or seven years of aimlessly floating through playing music, I found myself feeling supremely alone without having anything to show for it. And I just felt like I had invested so much time and energy into this thing, to this idea, to this nebulous goal, and I didn't feel like I had anything out of it. And I like woke up one morning and was like, I need to get the fuck out of here because this isn't working for me anymore. So I packed up all of my shit in a car and I moved across the country. That was four years ago. I haven't played in a band in four years after that moment. Like I went from 
it consuming me every single day for six or seven years to ha- like barely picking up a guitar for four years. That's heavy, man. <laughs> it was it was intense, dude. It is it, crazy. It's it's really strange to think about too, because it feels like another life. You know, when I think about how much I was just in it over my head every day to like I like don't play I like I barely play music anymore, and it's like only because sometimes I want to pick up my guitar and have fun around the house, and like that's what I should have been enjoying about it the whole time is like, sometimes I like to pick up my guitar and I like to noodle around or I like to write a song because I'm trying to express something or I think this sounds cool. Like that's what it should have been about the whole time. And I lost sight of that along the way. And it morphed from this is how I can you know support myself to why am I doing this anymore? It's not fun anymore. And like, if it's not fun, don't do it. Holy, holy. So that reminds me again of the uh, quote we're attributing to Buddha, which is you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor, you're only entitled to the labor. And so it sounds like throughout the time that you're trying to make a music career for yourself, you were really looking for the fruits. Yeah, you were you were in it for the fruit. uh, When the whole time, you should have just been kind of in it for the labor and then maybe yep. maybe the fruit will come, right? Right, right. Because when the fruit didn't come and that's what I was looking for the whole time, I became really like depressed and really frustrated and really angry, mm-hmm. not just with myself, but with like everyone else around me too. I started to project that anger outwards towards my other bandmates to like the music that I was making. Like, why isn't this doing what I want it to do? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I catastrophically quit that one band. I remember very vividly band practices where I was a miserable bastard to other people because I felt like the work that I was doing wasn't giving me the fruit that I wanted from it. And it ruined the experience for me. And I'm sure, you know, it ruined the experience for the people that were involved in it with me too, which is like, it's that sucks, man. Like, that's not why you do it. I bet that a lot of musicians can relate to that story right well one really wanting the fruits of the labor right yeah uh and the other thing you know just getting really miserable when things are not working out the way that you think they should work out yep um i mean i know i can relate to that do you have any advice i mean we've spent the last year talking to people who have made it happen and so have their stories maybe provided some influence or some guidance that you wish you had had while you were trying to make it happen? They sure have. So one of the things specifically that's been very helpful to me in helping me recognize like the things that I ended up doing that were very positive revolved around leaving that section of my life of creating music and moving my focus somewhere else. So when I moved across the country, it was specifically like I need to find a new opportunity for myself. I need to create a new opportunity for myself Okay, you, you, you decided to move to a new city. Was there a point, like a specific point where you were like, I know it's not working here, I need to leave? I don't know if it was a specific moment or not, but there was just definitely this growing feeling of resentment in everything that I was doing. And like every practice that I would come to, like I started to feel more and more resentful towards my fellow bandmates. And I think once I started to recognize that that was happening, I started to have moments of clarity like, I need, I need to do something different. I, I need to, I need, I need a new opportunity. Like I need to find a new opportunity, create a new opportunity for myself. 
and just do that because where I am right now is not working anymore. Yeah. So you decided to change your focus. So for you, that means moving across the country to look for some new opportunities. Then what happens? Well, so I moved to New Orleans, which I had never been to. And at the time, the film industry in New Orleans, the film and television industry was very prevalent. So I was like, cool, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to be a movie star again. Like I came with that first intention, you know, but this time I like hit the streets and like I didn't know where to start. So I was just an extra in a bunch of movies and it was like, okay, it's not great, but at least I'm like making some money and there's a bunch of theater work here in the city. So I started doing that. And for the first six months that I was here, just saying yes to whatever strange things came my way, I ended up with like my first agent and I had a bunch of work as an extra. I started doing things outside of that too. Like, you know, I have a degree in theater technology, so I know how to run live sound. So I started to do corporate sound gigs again. In the meantime, while I was trying to be a musician in upstate New York, I worked in a repair shop. So I like started to fix random things for people here in the city. I just like took all of these skills that I kind of had and just anytime anyone was like, hey man, here's something you could do. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And just literally said yes to like everything that came across my way. And then eventually someone that I met down here, like through a friend of a friend, because I like taken this one job and from this one job, I, so when I first moved down here, the very first job I had was being an elf for a, <laughs> like a Christmas time, like Santa themed, like kids walk through house. Like, so I was, an, I was dressed up as an elf and I had this like, say the stupid lines for kids every time they came through and like pretended like care about what kids want for Christmas, you know, for like a month, basically when I first moved down here. But that cast that crew would go out every Tuesday night after work to karaoke and at karaoke I met this guy in town who's a tour guide in the city and like after hanging out with him for a couple months after the show closed and going to karaoke and I'm and being like yeah I kind of need a job I don't know what to do he was like you should be a tour guide here, here in New Orleans the pay is pretty decent and you're like already kind of an actor so you, ha- you probably have an aptitude for it and that was you know three and a half years ago three years ago and like that's how I've made my living for three years I never thought in my life that being a tour guide in New Orleans would be something that I would enjoy doing. I love doing it. It has its own set of challenges and some days are really easy to go to work and some days are are tough and I feel like way less motivated to do it. But in comparison to all the other like BS jobs that I've had before, this is the best one. It's paid me the best. I've been able to afford living by myself and I've been able to support like I'm having a wife. I met my wife down here in New Orleans. Like I went from super single and lonely in upstate New York to finding a wife. We got two cats. I live in a house. I don't own it, but like we rent a nice house and I bought a motorcycle and <laughs> like, like we're living the dream. Tr- we're living the dream, dude. You're like living totally the living the dream, you know, from changing my expectations and recognizing that I love playing music and what it can do for me is so valuable as a creative outlet. But if I try to devote myself to it wholeheartedly as a way to support myself financially, there's a disconnect in me between what I get out of it and what it's capable to give me. Because I mean, you know, like as Troy Pohl said in episode three, you know, if you're not talented enough, you're probably not going to make it. And like, I think I'm great, but obviously I'm just not as good as the threshold to be there as a professional once i was able to like accept that part of like i can be i can still love making music and recognize that i'm not as good as taylor swift 
That was a huge load off of my shoulders of being okay with my personal expectations too. So, so quickly to recap, so you're in the Northeast, you're trying to make music happen and it's not happening. You realize you need to change. You move across the country. You start saying yes to everything. You start meeting people. So this is, this is a thing that we've heard, right? Like when you're starting out, like just say yes to all the weird opportunities, just meet all the people and say yes to all the things. And it seems like that strategy kind of worked out for you, right? Because now here you are um, being a tour guide and it's obviously not in the music industry, but it's a job that you enjoy and you're like, you're living this life that you enjoy using this, uh, you know, say yes strategy, leverage the community strategy. So when you were in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. were you not doing that? Were you not saying yes to people? Were you not meeting people? Kind of. I mean, I was really like insulated to where I had a very specific idea of how I wanted being a musician to go for myself. Mm-hmm. I was really anxious and uncomfortable when people would ask me to do things and I wouldn't necessarily feel like I could do it. Like, so this is not music related at all, but you mentioned mopeds in your last. Uh, in your interview and like so also let's tie a couple ideas together here so when I was kind of in this vein too where I was playing music as much as I could and like being just the general not a waste of of a human but like not feeling like I was living up to my to my full potential I got into restoring this old vintage pedal start moped and one of the parts of that project was restoring the seat a friend of mine let me borrow her sewing machine and I got this like faux leather and I like rebuilt the section of the seat and like made this new frame and like redid the whole thing and it came out like really nice like it wasn't professional but it would like look really nice especially compared to what it looked like when I started and I like was in this like tiny little moped gang like you know a bunch of dudes just like who like to hang out together and and like restore you know motorcycles and stuff one of the other young ladies who's in it she needed a new C2 and she saw mine. She was like, oh, shoot, that looks really good, dude. Would you help me, you know, do mine too? And I like froze up in that moment was like, I, I'm like, how? How? Because I don't know how to do my like, I barely knew how to like, I don't know how to do it. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Boom. And so I, right there, didn't that's, do it. that's the thing. That could have been your ticket. You could still be in the Northeast right now restoring uh, vintage motorcycles and mopeds had you said yes to that project and taken it on and figured out how the hell to do it, even if you think right. you couldn't. And then somebody else sees it and you take on another right. one and another one. So, so this, is, this is interesting. My follow-up question was going to be if you were back in the Northeast and you were trying to make the music thing work and you had been meeting people and had been saying yes to everything, mm-hmm. do you think it would have worked out or do you think there was still just you weren't in the right headspace, like there was still a disconnect? I think there would have been more of an opportunity. Like when it got towards the end, the the project that I was the band leader for and was and producing most of the material for, it was like just starting to go somewhere. And one of the last big shows that we played was like this music festival. Our set went really well, and I was really proud of how we played. And um, I just had I just generally had a really good time on doing that show. And this guy came up to me from this band, and he was from somewhere out in Western New York. And and I can't remember exactly what the name of the band was now, but I remember 
I remember thinking to myself, like, these guys are really good and they sound like very professional, you know? So this guy came up to me and he was like, hey man, I really enjoyed your set. He's like, you seem to be like a person around here who is heavily involved in this scene and you're like doing a lot of good work. Would you want to trade shows or something like that? He made some kind of offer to me that I said in that moment, like, yeah, sure, of course, you know, but in the back of my head, I had already kind of resigned myself to stepping away from this life in general. So I, I said yes, mostly just to be polite, which I have problems with. I mean, who knows if that was the opportunity or not, but that was definitely an example of a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. it, it's possible that if I was still up there that I would have been more capable of developing those types of relationships and looking for those opportunities. But I mean, we'll never know because, you know, it's 2018 and we live in the present. We don't live in, in a fantasy. Right. <laughs> well, what we, what we do know is turning people down doesn't really work. Definitely not. There's that. And we have a fair amount of evidence that, um, you know, in the beginning, just saying yes to everything is a pretty good way to start. Definitely is, especially when you're not exactly sure what that looks like. Like I had no idea what it meant to be a professional, not necessarily a professional musician, but just being able to support myself. And it was like, if I could just make some money from my music, but I didn't have any idea how to do that. Mm -hmm. And if I had started to be more open to different opportunities, of course, there would have been a moment where suddenly this one gig I have was like, oh, shoot, I'm making an extra 200 bucks a week or something. Like, mm -hmm. I think that also brings up mentors. It's important to get an outside perspective. It's unreasonable to think that you know how to do everything. Yeah. For example, make a living as a musician find a mentor, find somebody who is making a living as a musician and just say, what should I do next? Like, what's, yeah. what's the next step? Because otherwise you're just flailing around, you know? Other people have done this. Just <laughs> talk to them. Absolutely. You know, I, I have a, a someone that I was playing with at the time. She's gone on now to do like all kinds of crazy stuff. She's toured Europe a bunch of times and like she's moving on from this project she had been supporting to like back to her own personal thing. She's just she's just kicking butt right now in, in her music career as an artist and as a guitar player. And I noticed that that's something that she was constantly doing was reaching out like she'd go see a show. She saw someone that she liked and she would go up to them and go, this is something that I like about you. This is what I do. Would you be interested in, in you know, hanging out together or picking your brain or jamming or something? I mean, that's how she and I started playing is that she came up to me and said, I, I like these songs that you played. Let's hang out together and let's play music. But she kept doing that over and over again. Mm -hmm. And now she's like, you know, touring around the world and... She's, you know, like, this is what she does is she plays guitar and writes music for people. Like, that's the dream, and, and she's killing it. All your problems are solved with people. Yeah, all, all your problems are solved with other people. And if I had been more open to developing those relationships, then that could have been a stepping stone to a music career. But, I mean, we talked about earlier, you know, there was a lot of other, there was a lot of stuff going on that it was just like, it wasn't it wasn't going to work for me and that's okay because right, okay. i'm not yes. upset about it yeah so so you've arrived in a place where um you're okay with not having a career in the music industry and i wanted to loop back around to this because you mentioned mm -hmm. that you came to the realization that like no i'm not as good as taylor swift like no definitely I'm, and i'll never if be I'm, if i'm being honest with myself i'm not 
at a level of skill that I need to be in order to make a career of this. Right. And I, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment at a point in time. However, um, I happen to know that you're a great guitar player, right? Thank you. And I also know that there was a time you were taking lessons, right? And we were in a yep. band together. You, you had yep. started taking lessons again and like you had improved in that time. Yeah. So I guess my point is you could be that good, right? Like I think, sure. I think, I think almost anyone can be that good. It's a, it's a matter of, can I survive the long slog? Yeah. Yeah. There's a discipline required to do yeah. that, to really yeah. stick do with I it. I have that. That's the thing. Do I have not so much? Do I have the skill to make a career of this, but do I have the discipline to acquire the skill necessary right. to, to make, make a living at this? And, and, and then above and beyond that, say I do have the discipline. Say I'm a very disciplined person. Um, do I want to? You know, yeah. is this really what I want to do? And is am I doing it for the right reasons, which you talked about? There's just, there's a lot to, a lot to consider. Yeah, whether I do or do not have the discipline to develop that skill, I think you're right. It's kind of irrelevant because I don't, I just don't really want to, at least at this mm-hmm. point, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. It, it feels better to just stay at, at present in the moment that you are and focused on the project that you're working on. But I just don't want to devote that much time. I got other stuff to do that I mm-hmm. I love doing. So I'm really satisfied with, with where we are. So that seems to be the, the base of probably any career in a creative field is figuring out why you're doing it yeah, and what it brings into your life. And if what it brings in is worth the amount of effort that you have to put in in order to make the thing happen. And if it's reasonable to expect the the things that it does bring in, like if you're expecting that, okay, I'm going to go make music and uh, I'm going to be a rock star and everyone's going to like me, you could work really hard at that, but you're probably not going to be very happy because it's probably no. not going to deliver. But if you think, uh, you know, creating things brings me a lot of joy. This is, this is why I exist. I exist to create things and put things in the world. And that's why you do it. And then, hey, somebody notices the seat that you reupholstered and asks them yeah. to make one for you and you get 200 bucks out of the deal. Well, then great. And then, you know, it, it kind of scales from there. And there's some strategies that you can use to scale it, which hopefully we're going to talk about in season two. Yes. But, you know, one of those that we've seen in season one is saying yes and talking to people and building your community. Yeah, it's a really good foundation. I, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it's all things to think about. Cool. Do you want to wrap up with some rapid fire questions that have nothing to do with anything? I have been waiting all season <laughs> for this moment. What's something you shouldn't have bought that you realized you can't live without? So many things. For a costume, I spent an absurd amount of money on a professionally created lightsaber. At this point, I just want it. Like, I love to have it. I still dress up in that costume sometimes for reasons. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's, just, it's just fun, man. It's, that's, that's it right there. My professionally created lightsaber. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, what's next? Current favorite band? 
It's it's hard to say. I will say that editing all of these episodes and listening to all of these bands that people are talking about that I had never heard before has been a really fun dip back into that old lifestyle of constantly finding new music. If I had to pick maybe just one of those that I have enjoyed the most, it would probably be it would probably be the war on drugs. But I do love to listen to Wolfpack songs on YouTube when I'm getting ready in the morning. So. Yes. He gets. He gets. He gets. First place. Guilty pleasure band. Uh, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure <laughs> band. There just isn't. If you like something, man, you know, loud and proud, like it's okay to be you and it's okay to like what you like and, and you should be proud of what you like. So that's my answer. Favorite guitar solo. Dude. I've been dying to give this answer. It's it's Queens of the Stone Age. God is in the radio. I think that is a perfect guitar solo. Sometimes I, I need a little more specificity in my guitar solos. Like starting out with this is the exact intention and this is I have something to say and this is what I'm gonna say. Josh Homme is excellent at that. God is in the radio, Josh Homme, it's so good. Who would win in a fight? Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber? Dude, duh, Taylor Swift. She's just fierce and does not step down. If you were to step to Taylor Swift, <laughs> you're in trouble, man. Like she does not step down. She's terrifying. She scares the shit out of me. You know, she's she's a force. So Taylor Swift always, every day. Agree. Steve Stanley, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today and Thank uh, you for every day. Me. Thanks for co-hosting. You know, heck yeah, man. Thank you. It it, it would be more boring if there was one host. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm like hilarious. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess I guess that's a wrap. So that's the end of season one of the Music Business Heroes podcast. Mm -hmm. What we want to do right now is just kind of summarize very quickly the things we learned over the past season of the podcast, and then um, talk about what we want to do in season two. There were a lot of things that came up again and again uh, with the guests that we talked to in season one, and I think they can be boiled down to saying yes, which is what we just talked about in this episode. Uh, just mm -hmm. meet people and say yes. you got to develop a community. It's not just going around handing out your business card. It's creating meaningful relationships with people who are interested in the work that you do. 
Yeah. Um, longevity has come up a few times. And I think that ties into, I've been calling it the long slog, which I think is not a good way to refer to it. But this takes time. If you want to make a career for yourself in the music business, it's going to take time. And so far in our experience, that seems to be between uh, six and eight, maybe 10 years (laughs) um, before you get established to a point where you feel comfortable. So that's not to say... You couldn't start supporting yourself after a year, really nope. focusing on making a go of it. But the, the but if pe- a year goes by and you don't feel like you are as far along as you should be, you it needs more time. Right. Keep going. Yeah. And, and go for longevity. You know, you're going to be doing this a while. So make, make good choices. <laughs> yeah. Now we want to talk about what we want to do in season two. Mm-hmm. In listening back to season one, uh, we realized this is this is fun to listen to. It's fun to hear stories of people who are making it and how they did it. And uh, it's like a pep talk, right? And you feel like, yeah, I can do it too. And that's great. So in season two, we want to get more practical and deliver actionable advice from people who are making it in the music business. So we want to hear from you. What questions do you wish we asked throughout this season? What topics do you wish we covered with our guests? And who should we pit against each other in our rapid fire finale question? Last season, it was Taylor Swift versus Justin Bieber. Let us know who you want to see fight next season. And to prime the pump a little bit on questions for our guests, we're looking to explore Things like community. Community came up a lot in season one. So um, things like how do you develop your community? How do you maintain it? Uh, Things like longevity. How do you stay motivated and inspired and creative during this period where it might seem like a long slog? And how do you know when you're good enough? You want to make a a go at a career in the music business. Maybe for you that means... uh, writing songs or playing live shows or being a stage carpenter. How do you know when you're good enough at that particular craft to have a go at making it your full-time career? Yeah, great. Perfect. That's it. Let's stop recording. Good.